to Totalus Rankium. This week, Olivrius. Hello and welcome to Roman Emperor's Totalus Rankium. I am Jamie. And I'm Rob, ranking all the emperors from Augustus to Augustus. And we're now on episode 82. It's Olibrius. Sounds a bit like elephant. Yes. Or Olympic. Yeah. Or Ollie Murs. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> so what about that? Yeah. Well, straight away he's down three points. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Do other countries know who Ollie Merz is? Probably not. I'm trying to work out. He's a musician, yeah. Yeah, he's a musician. He won that. one of those programmes. Did he? X Factor, Pop Idol. Pop Idol's not a thing anymore, is it? <laughs> um, yeah, he, he won one of those things. Yeah. Britain's Got Talent. Yes, one of those. So here we are, down to our last four. Oh, final four. Final four. Go out of the glorious whimper. Yeah. <laughs> It's a, a wheeze. Do you know what that was? What? Death rattle. That's, I think that's the stage we're currently at. We are definitely in the death rattle. We're at the point where the family haven't even bothered to show up and it is just one nurse and a doctor in a room. Oh, the flickering fluorescent light. Yeah, and the doctor's looking at his watch. He's about to call it. <laughs> <laughs> that's what's happening. Nice. <laughs> The nurse is saying, should we wait to see if anyone turns up? No, I don't think anyone will. <laughs> Brother Leo said he'd be along any time, <laughs> as soon as he's ready. Look at it. It's time to pull the plug. But not quite yet. We've got, okay. we've got a couple of episodes. He's got a bit that. of paperwork to fill in first. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, bit of a recap. Anthemius took over with the help of Leo last week. Yep. Leo then attacked the Vandals in one last glorious reunification of the Empire. Yeah. Get rid of the Vandals once and for all. The West will return. Yeah, combined effort, yeah. triumphant, glory. They lost. Yeah. Yeah. Ricimer had enough of Anthemius and attacked. Yeah. Olibrius then suddenly turned up in the story out of nowhere. Yeah. Ricimer was sieging Rome and declared Olibrius the emperor. Oh, yeah, Thank you. and it was a bit weird. So let's find out what was going on there. Yeah, but let's start with the early days of Olibrius. Oh, yeah, a bit like Smallville. I've never seen Smallville. I just know the concept. I've never watched it myself. Oh, Superman, young. Right? Yeah, this is young Olibrius. Okay. Actually, I don't think you could make a season out of this. <laughs> I don't think you could make a sketch on a sketch show about this. <laughs> We don't know anything for certain about Olibrius' childhood. Okay. Or even his parents. We just know nothing at all. We think okay. he was probably born around 430, making him about 40 at the time of our story. I think, I'm guessing that's a random date picked out of the air by somebody 100 years ago. It kind of makes sense. Um, I mean, we can we can definitely speculate on some things. He would have come from a rich senatorial family. We know that because he eventually marries Placidia. Remember, oh, okay. he ends up marrying Valentinian III's daughter. Yeah. Yeah, so obviously he came from good stock. Mm. But there are a couple of theories of where he comes from, and it really does make a difference on how we view him. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Either he was a member of a family that had recently dominated the consulship. Okay. It was a very powerful family at the time that shares one of the names with him, so the theory is he was part of that family. 
Due to the political prominence of that family, Alibrius was married to Valentinian III's daughter when Valentinian was still alive. Oh. Remember, Placidia, the daughter, was originally yeah. betrothed to Majorian. Yes. And then Aetius's son, when Aetius put a stop to that. Yeah. So perhaps Alibrius was married to Placidia shortly after Aetius's death in a political move by Valentinian III. That's the theory here. Yeah, okay. It kind of would make sense. Yeah. However, there is another option, and this one's far more interesting. And because we are completely biased in this podcast, yeah. this is more likely the one we're going to go for. Well, we all said this at the beginning. We all go for more interesting things. Yeah, definitely. It's how history should be done. Yeah. Right. Some historians have speculated that Alibrius is actually Petronius's son. Ooh. Oh, yes. Twirly moustache Petronius, killer of Valentinian III and Aetius. So there is a, a theory. Now, I must admit... I've seen this theory less than the other one, mm. but it definitely makes for a more interesting story. So we're we're yeah. just bear it in mind, because that would be a reason he may be put into power. Like, uh, well, well, he's got lineage. So let's let's follow this. If you remember, Petronius had Aetius and then Valentinian killed. Yes, he was standing in the corner of the room, twirling his moustache while it all happens. Yeah. He then forces Valentinian's widow Eudoxia to marry him. Mm. That, that was a point of recognition from yeah. Jamie there. That was a good point. But also, he forced Eudocia, the elder daughter, to marry Pelidius. Oh. Now, I didn't mention Pelidius by no. name before. That is Petronius's eldest son. Okay. So we know that Petronius and Petronius's son mm. marries Eudoxia and Eudoxia's daughter. Okay. This was Petronius tying himself to the Valentinian family. Okay. So the theory here is that he has a second son, Alibrius, and he also forces his second son to marry the younger daughter, Placidia, as well. So there are actually three weddings that take place. And that solidifies Petronius's clutch. Yes, this makes Petronius the all the stronger. More ties to the old royal family, the better for him. Mm. Now, we've got no way of knowing, obviously, but it seems very likely that the earliest the marriage between Alibrius and Placidia would have taken place was after the death of Aetius. Yeah. <laughs> because before that, Placidia was betrothed to other people, so that just makes sense. So we're going to try and piece things together from there onwards. So Aetius dies. Yes, he did. If Alibrius was Petronius' son, this would have had a huge impact on him because he might have even been party to the plot. <gasps> but this is pure speculation. Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> Maybe you knew nothing about it because he was in no way related to Petronius. Yeah. He's just going, who? Who? <laughs> I'm eating tapas. Leave yeah. me alone. Yeah. It's a new tapas bar opened. Oh. Yeah. They serve the little crockery, dumby, dumby little plate things. There's a lot of crockery around at the moment because everything's literally falling apart. That's true. Yeah. true. Everyone's mm. going for a shabby chic look. <laughs> Not through choice. No. <laughs> I'm not sure why things falling apart means there's more crockery. <laughs> In less, my less, mind, that made sense. Less metal plates and things, because it's all been melted down into either armour... That's a good point. ...or coins. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Anyway, Valentinian III is then killed. Yep. And either Alibrius's father becomes emperor, or Alibrius has nothing to do with it. As you can see, it's a lot more interesting if he is Petronius's son. You can oh, yeah, tie definitely. him into yeah. it rather than just say... He was in Rome at the time, maybe. Yeah. It was around this time, just before the Vandals arrived to sack Rome. And just after his wedding, potentially, it would appear that Alibrius heads to Constantinople. Ooh. 
Now, this is where there is some support for the he is Petronius' son theory. Okay. Because maybe he was sent east as an envoy to Marcion from Petronius. Possibly. That would yeah. make sense. Maybe he just heard rumour that vandals were on their way and thought, I'm getting out of here. <laughs> grab all the stuff, grab all the crockery and go. <laughs> oh no, I dropped a plate. It's fine. It matches. <laughs> it's okay. Going to make our fortune in Constantinople. Open up a tapas bar. <laughs> what he's going to do. <laughs> While in Constantinople, news would have reached him. The death of Petronius. Oh. So potentially his father. And the kidnapping of his wife. Oh, Placidia, along with her sister and her mother, has been kidnapped by Gesseric and taken to Carthage. If only I hadn't focused on this tapas bar, <laughs> I could have been there and saved them. But the business is doing remarkably well. Yeah, so... good profit. Silver lining. Yeah, and it's yeah. pre-tax as well. That's so. yeah, all good. Alibrius decides staying in the East would be a good idea at this point. <laughs> yeah. I could go back to the death and destruction, or I can stay here with my small pots. While Alibrius chilled out in the East, the West goes through turmoil, which we have already covered. Yeah. Avitus was killed after being raised to the purple. Majorian was killed after being raised to the purple. Alibrius, meanwhile, is still just serving up. Well, he's had a great idea. He thought, if, I, if I've if got this red wine left over, if I put it in a big jug, a bit of orange juice. Yeah. Maybe maybe some of this other spirity stuff. Yeah. A few bits of fruit. I'd yeah. have a drink. Yeah. We obviously have no idea what he did in Constantinople, apart from apparently he did build a church at one point. Maybe on his day off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What shall I do? <laughs> I, I think the view could be better outside my restaurant. Um, <laughs> I know. A lovely village church just, just outside that. How would it look like? wouldn't pick it fence out the front. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so I, all we know is that he builds a church at some point. Okay. It's around this time, just after Majorian was killed, the West has no emperor, that Gesseric starts to push Elibrius's name around for becoming the emperor. Why? He is married to Placidia, daughter of the ex-emperor. Oh. He's son-in-law to Valentinian III. Fair enough. So he has a claim. Yeah. Yeah. We have no idea how much Elibrius wanted that claim. We just simply have no idea. Now, it could be that this is Gesseric just trying to get some influence. Yeah. Uh, it could be Elibrius was going for it himself. Maybe. Trying to use Gesseric as a, a power behind the throne to help him rise. We simply don't know. But loads of fake modesty. Like, oh, me? Oh, I could I couldn't possibly. <laughs> well, I mean, why, why would you think that I would be the emperor? Go on, list, list reasons. Come on. <laughs> and every time he handed out a tapas, there'd be this little leaflet to fall out, a little propaganda leaflet. Oh, and it was all a front. Oh, yes. It's all, all for the propaganda. Very clever. Yeah. Now, I'm, I've seen this idea that Gesseric was pushing Alibrius to become emperor in several places. What I've never seen is it made clear how Gesseric can influence the ascension of a Roman emperor. Mm. Let's face it, the East and the West hate him. <laughs> yeah, but I guess it's, it's like anything, if you say a lie enough, or you say something enough, people believe in Catherine. Possibly. He's also very rich, so... That will help. It's always easy to bribe people, I suppose. Mm. Yeah, um, so yeah, Gesseric's obviously trying his hardest, but it does not work, no, as no. we know. Because when all this is happening, Leo's quite busy, and the West appoint their own emperor. Ricimer puts Severus III on the throne. Who? I'm not entirely sure. Someone. 
But uh, Elebrius, if he wanted to be emperor at this point, loses his chance. Aww. It's around this time that the new eastern emperor, Leo, decides to deal with Gesseric. Marcin's dead, Leo's yeah. in. It's time to go and get the imperial women back. This is an embarrassment. Yeah. So, as we've seen in a previous episode, Leo manages to undermine Rickmer politically, sends off envoys, and gets the women back. Oh, that was... Yeah, I remember that. That was brilliant. Yes. And, obviously, because they decide to return to the east rather than the west, mm -hmm. soon enough, Placidia is in Constantinople. Elibrius has his wife back. Yay! Or this is when they get married, according to another theory. Yeah, okay. <laughs> right. But look, let, let's just say they're reunited here. Oh. There we go. Now, we've got no way of knowing how this reunion went. If Olybrius is Petronius' son, I'm guessing not well. No, no. No. Placidia was probably quite upset. She was happily in Carthage. Yeah. Lots of really sort of muscular vandals standing around Ooh. the place. Yeah, yeah it was... It wasn't too bad over in Carthage, and now she's yeah. stuck with that horrible man's son. Ugh. Yeah. Or maybe it wasn't Petronius' son. Maybe Olybrius was her first love, and they got married. Oh. And this is a romantic reunion. As it always is in uh, Roman times. Yes. Uh, or maybe it was somewhere in between the two. We just don't know. What we do know is that they have a child shortly afterwards. Okay. 462... They have a daughter called Alicia Juliana, which is a nice name. And shortly afterwards, Severus III dies. Unrelated, I hasten to add. <laughs> again, the West has no emperor. And again, Olybrius finds his name being bandied around in regards to becoming emperor of the West. Mm. This time, it seems more likely. Yes, Gesseric was still pushing for this, so that probably doesn't actually help. <laughs> stop it! Stop it! <laughs> Shut up! It's an embarrassment. You know when you're, you're in politics and someone's backing you and you really don't want them to back you? But you can't really say it. Yeah, unless you happen to be quitting politics soon. Yeah. And yeah. then you're actually free to say what you want. Yeah. Yeah, it was a bit like that, I'm guessing. The political climate was a bit better for Olybrius at this time. Because Placidia was now there in reality, and they had a family. It's much easier to see him as a continuation of the Theodosian line now. Yeah, yeah. Whereas before, he was just, in theory, someone who had sort of married someone, maybe. We're not sure of the dates. <laughs> Whereas now, there's an actual family there. Look, this yeah. could be the new royal family. Proof. Yes. But, as we saw last week, the promising general and son-in-law to Marcion, Anthemius, was chosen by Leo instead. Olybius remained in Constantinople, reaching the height of consul around this time. Mm. And this catches us up with the main narrative. Yeah. We now have Anthemius in the west struggling with Ricimer. Hmm. Leo attacks the Vandals and loses. And all the while, Olybius is in Constantinople, living the life of an aristocrat. Nice. So how does he suddenly end up outside Rome with Ricimer declaring him emperor during the siege? That's a good question. There are a couple of theories. Okay. Let's start with what the sources tell us, because this is what defines Olybrius, this story. One day, Olybrius was called for by the emperor. Leo sends word for him. Leo had disturbing news. Despite all of his best efforts, Leo had not prevented civil war from starting in the west. Things were about to kick off. Yeah. You could just tell. Rickmer and Anthemius were not happy with each other. <laughs> Anthemius kept sending him letters, just tear stains on them. <laughs> it wasn't looking good. Leo figures it's only a matter of time before things actually turn to fighting. 
So he discusses this problem with Alibrius and sent him on a mission, and I quote here, As a representative of the Roman Senate, he might quell the hostilities between Anthemius and Ricimer. Also, after he had reconciled Anthemius and Ricimer, he should depart from Rome and go to the King of Africa. Mm. So, just like Leo did before, he's sending envoys through Italy into Africa. Try and get everything sorted out diplomatically. Yeah, smooth over. Yeah, this seems straightforward enough. Yeah. It explains why Alibrius suddenly finds himself heading off to Rome. Yeah, that makes sense. However, the source goes on, and this is where it gets interesting. Some plotting and intrigue from Leo has occurred. And again I quote, The Emperor Leo suspected that Alibrius favoured Gesseric and would secretly take his side. He therefore feared for his own sake, lest Alibrius, who had a tie of marriage with Gesseric, would betray Constantinople. So like sell them out, sort of thing. Yeah, Leo, Leo's thinking, I can't trust Alibrius here. And I'll continue the quote. Therefore, after Alibrius had departed for Rome, having left his daughter in Placidia in Constantinople, Leo gave a message to his master of offices to be delivered to Anthemius in these words. So now I'm going to quote what apparently Leo said to Anthemius in a oh, secret letter. Nice. It's not that secret then, is it? Well, all, all this came out afterwards, apparently. All right. But we'll get into that. That was a bit. Yeah, a bit like that. So, according to the source, this is what Leo said to Anthemius. I have removed Aspar from this world, so no one who might oppose me will survive. You must also kill Ricimer, lest there be anyone to betray you. Moreover, I have also sent the patrician... Alibrius to you. I wish you to kill him, so you might reign ruling rather than serving others. He must be taken out of the picture. <laughs> Make sure he served his last bowl of dip. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah. However, according to the source, while Alibrius and the secret messenger were heading for Rome... I assume separately. <laughs> not in the same carriage. Secret messenger just putting his hand in front of his face, trying not to be noticed the whole journey. <laughs> Maybe Roger reading the letter himself. Not reading it out, just reading it to himself whilst in the carriage with Olibrius. <laughs> his face suddenly freezes. <laughs> in a smile. A fake smile. <laughs> Slowly puts the letter back in the envelope. <laughs> Any plans, sir, in, in Rome? <laughs> Any ideas for the holiday this year, sir? I mean, you don't have to go to Rome if you don't <laughs> want to. But still, none of this explains why Librius is suddenly declared emperor by Rekema. Yeah. So how does that happen? Well, according to the source, the secret messenger arrives first. After all, he was in a hurry. He had to get that message delivered before Librius arrived. Yeah, he's his fastest horse. But what Leo, the messenger, and Alibrius did not know was that Rome had just been put under siege by Ricimer. Ah. So when the messenger arrives, much to his surprise, Rome is surrounded. The messenger is seized. Ooh. He has a letter for Anthemius <gasps> from Leo, where obviously Ricimer wants to see what Leo has to say to Anthemius. So the messenger is taken to Ricimer. Rickmer saw the letter and immediately grasped the situation. He saw... <laughs> it's pretty obvious. <laughs> Hang on, let me think about this. Console! We need to discuss this. <laughs> Rather, I should say, he saw a way of turning this to his advantage. Ooh. Yes. Because not long after, Alibrius arrives. 
probably equally shocked to see Rome under siege, more shocked to be arrested and then taken to Ricimer. Oh dear. And then even more shocked when Ricimer shares the plot against his life. Olibrius was then given a choice by Ricimer. Take the blue pill or the red pill. <laughs> Essentially, yes. <laughs> Go back home to be murdered by Leo in another plot, or you can stay here and become Emperor of the West. Hmm. So he's genuinely a, a thinker because he's got a, a, a great business Yeah. in Constantinople, going really well. Yeah. Or he could be Emperor of the Crumbling West. Yeah. Hmm. Going home does mean going home to Leo, who wants him dead, however. That's true. Yeah. I mean, being emperor in the West at this point essentially means being killed within a year. But, yeah, it's not great, is it? At least you can die with sort of like having parties. And also the, the person who's telling you to choose is standing in front of you. Clearly you wants you to choose one thing and he's holding a sword. Yeah. Yeah. Olivius decides that becoming Emperor of the West is actually his destiny. <laughs> and there were omens as a child. <laughs> yes. It's Thunderbolts in branches, snakes in armpit hair, you name it. It was all going off. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, Ricimer declares Olivius Emperor. Okay. And this is when Anthemius would have first heard about the whole thing. So last week when he suddenly hears Olivius is outside, he's Emperor now. And it made no sense. Well, now we know why. It may, yeah, it makes sense now. But oh. how true is this story? What really happened? Do we actually know? Well, there are three possibilities. Okay. So we're going to choose. Was that number one? Well, let's look through this. Okay. Number one, I have called all lies. <laughs> Rickema and Olibrius were plotting together from the start oh. and made up all of this as a justification for the usurpation. Option number two, I've called part lies. Leo sent Olibrius as an envoy. He got to Rome and was just convinced by Ricimer to claim the purple. There was no secret plan to kill Olibrius. There was no secret letter. Olibrius was just convinced to swap sides by Ricimer. Fair enough. Option number three, all true. There was a <laughs> secret plot and secret messengers and people declaring each other as emperors. And it's all fun. Yeah. Or number four... All false. Olibrius was actually supported by Leo from the start. Mm. He was placed there to take over Anthemius. Ah, so he sort of wormed his way in. Mm. Maybe the letter was a plant. It was a double bluff. Maybe. To make Olibrius the emperor. <laughs> oh, I haven't oh. even thought that far. But yeah, so... Option five. <laughs> a double bluff. Well, let's go through these and then we can decide which one was most likely. So, option number one. All lies. Maybe... Just maybe, Olibrius was bitter at being passed over twice for emperor. Remember, yeah. twice now his name has been banded around for the job. Twice Leo's gone, no, nah, not you. Is, is that a supporter, though? Is that just speculation that his name's actually banded around? It's fairly supported. Okay. As much as anything in this time is supported. Okay. <laughs> so perhaps he's quite bitter about this. Rickmer, not being a fool, realised what the Praetorian Guard never grasped which is when you usurp without a plan for what happens next, it's always a problem. Mm. So he does plan. He sends a letter to the frustrated Olibrius. Ricimer then moves on Rome as soon as Olibrius sends him word that he is coming. Ricimer would usurp and then have a new man in place overnight. And Leo could do nothing about it. It would be mm. too swift. So that's one theory of what yep. happens. Pros for this, it explains the convenient turning up of the only other man 
who <laughs> could be accepted as emperor in the West. It's a bit convenient that Olybrius turns up at this point. It's true. Yeah. Or uh, reckon we just saw it to his advantage. But that links in more with number two. Yeah, yeah, it does. Against this theory, if Leo didn't send him, surely that would have come out. The Eastern Sources is where we get this from. Leo doesn't go anywhere afterwards. He's not killed immediately afterwards. So surely he would have made it clear that he didn't send Alibrius. Yeah. If that's what Alibrius is claiming afterwards, Leo would have just turned around and said, no. (laughs) (laughs) Certainly not. So that's option one. Yeah, okay. Option two, part lies. In this version, Alibrius was sent by Leo as an envoy. Go and sort out the mess that the West is in, then go and see Gesseric, see if we can politically sort this situation out. And that is it. There's no secret letter here. There's yeah. no plots. Go and help him out. Roger's having a weekend off. Ooh. It's fine. That's just sending Alibrius. When Alibrius arrives in Ostia... He is taken by Rickamer. Rome is under siege, much to his surprise. The two talk things over, and Rickamer convinces him that he should usurp and take the throne. And You'd look great in purple. Yeah, exactly. Alibrius goes for it, and together afterwards, they make up the story of the secret plot to kill Alibrius hmm. to make it seem a bit, a bit more palatable yes. for people. Why have they usurped? Because Leo was trying to kill him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I guess the positives with that would be it certainly is true that people are selfish. Yeah. And it's the kind of thing somebody would do. Yeah. This version has no secret plots in it, perhaps yeah. making it more believable. But mm. only if you think that secret plots never take place. You do get secret plots, so maybe yeah. there, this was a case of a secret plot. It's but like the plot to send people to the moon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's. I don't know, some people would argue this is more believable. Against this, however, in this version, it's very convenient that the only potential emperor turns up in the West just in time for Rickmer to use him. Mm. It also completely discounts the main source for no good reason, to be honest. Sure, we should be wary of sources, but we shouldn't dismiss them out of hand just because we should be wary of them. Yeah, yeah. We've only got one source on this time, um, so why should we just say, yeah. no, that can't have happened? Because even inaccurate sources give you information. Yeah, we have no reason to disbelieve it, so why should we? So, yeah. Yeah. Okay, part three. All true. Leo sent the secret letter. It was intercepted. Librius usurps because of it. Yeah. It's the most interesting and fun version of the story. Yes. So automatically it kind of becomes suspect. <laughs> That's true. History's usually not like that. No, everything's more simple than that, Yeah. usually. So, in order to gauge this one, we need to look at the motives of Leo. How likely is it that Leo would send the secret letter? Well, he hated Rickamer. True, but it doesn't really happen with the Rickamer situation. Does it? have him killed. He's not sending Alibrius there to kill Rickamer, he's sending Alibrius there to be killed by Anthemius. Yes, in the letter he says to Anthemius you need to kill Rickamer, yeah. but the two are at war anyway. <laughs> that's a given, surely. That's, well, that's true. Well, let's look into this. To begin with, Alibrius is the biggest internal threat that Leo has. Yeah. There are many who said that Alibrius should be emperor in the West, and Leo was attempting to set up his own dynasty there. Remember, Leo had his daughter marry Anthemius' son. Yes. So he, he's trying to get control of the West. Yeah. The only person who can stop that at the moment is Alibrius. Oh, incidentally, last week we discussed how that tie was broken when Anthemius' son died in battle. Mm. Wrong son. 
Oh, yes. The tie's still there. The tie is still there. Nice, okay. Yes, so General Victorious killed Anthemius' eldest son. It wasn't the eldest son who got married. Yes, General Victorious. Yes. <laughs> I didn't need to say that sentence. I just wanted an excuse yeah, to yeah. say General Victorious again. And who's the Pope at the time? I'd be Pope Polarius. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, Alibrius is definitely a threat to Leo. Yeah. Not only that, Leo is facing internal struggle at the moment. If you remember, Aspar is essentially the Rickamer of the East. Yeah. He's the general with most of the power. Yeah. Now, Leo and Aspar essentially went to war with each other. We'll cover that in his episode. Leo wins. But there are still Aspar supporters around. Mm. And they'll be looking for a new figurehead. Well, who better than Alibrius? Because he could be placed on the throne. Even if Alibrius doesn't want this to happen, he would still be used as a figurehead. That's true. So he is a threat. Even if Alibrius is just busy in his tap, Aspar, he is still a threat to Leo. So, this leads to the obvious question. Why the elaborate plot? It's not that elaborate, really. Just, just, you know, quick get there with this message before they get there. But why not just kill him in Constantinople? Because then he can't be held accountable. Because it wasn't me that killed him, it was Anthemius. Exactly, yes. If he is being used as a figurehead by his opposition, far better to give him a prestigious job. And then, oh no, he died over there. Oh no, look how bad Rickamer is. Yes, exactly. Whereas, if he dies in Constantinople, everyone's going to point the finger at Leo. Yeah, since we've discussed it, it's actually rings a bit more realistic yeah it's It's not as overblown as it probably first sounded yeah when you first say it you think how likely is it but i'd i'd give it equal weight to option two at the moment Mm. option one i'm not so convinced i think all lies completely just kind of discounts the source too much yeah so yeah anyway there's still one more option all false and I, i must admit this one's just weird but in this version, Leo decides that Alibrius should be the emperor on the Western throne. Yeah. And I will quote Gibbon here. Alibrius rashly plunged into the dangers and the calamities of a civil war, and with the secret connivance of the emperor Leo, accepted the Italian purple. And there are some who suggest that Leo was behind this, but... Mm. He does... Gibbon gets this from three separate sources, but they are not in any way detailed. And it just simply doesn't fit. It doesn't. Anthemius is his friend. He put him in power in his family. Why would Leo turn on Anthemius? I just don't understand that. It doesn't make sense. They're still connected by marriage. Leo has already chosen Anthemius over Olibrius once before. Yeah. Why would Leo side with Rickamer? That makes no sense. No. He's never done that before. Why would Leo give power to the man who has connections to Gesseric? It just, none of it fits, so I'm discounting this He's a bit whiny, Anthemius, like, oh, please help me, please help me, please help me. I mean, he probably got a bit annoyed by that, but not to kill him. No, so I'm I'm discounting that one. So it's not Leo behind everything. So our options are essentially, to sum all of that up, Rickamer and Olibrius plotted this from the start together. No. Rickamer usurped, Olibrius happened to go along at the same time and got dragged in. I think that could ring true. Could do. Bit convenient, though, isn't it? I... Yeah, but coincidences you happen. I suppose so. So, oh, he's the right bit. He'll do. He's the right person. Or the sources are true, and this is Leo trying to get rid of Alibrius. Didn't realise the siege was on, because it wasn't when they set off. Yeah. And it was just very bad timing on Leo's <laughs> part. So what one are we going to go for? And number four? Oh, and number four, Leo, was that's the one we discounted. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, 
I know the one we're both going to go for, number three. What's really good is we're sticking to the sources in this one. Yes, we are. Oh, are we? Yeah. Oh, no, scrap, forget that. <laughs> number four. Let's be controversial. Yes. Oh, no, oh, yeah. that sticks to some of the sources as well. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, no, yeah, number three. Yeah. Because yeah. it has elements of truth in, I can believe it. Yeah. And it could happen. So, like, quick, send this message, get as much around them as quick you can. Message gets there, oh, damn it. It's yeah. all sieged up. Oh, I've been captured. Oh, no. I should be wearing my I Love Leo t shirt. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it, it would make a good episode of that HBO series we're going to make one day. Oh, that'd be great, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can fund us with yes. <laughs> send okay. us a billion dollars. That'd be great. That would be good. Right. Okay then. So that's what happened, as as the sources say. So anyway, let, let's carry on then, shall we? Olybrius finds himself outside of Rome with Rickmer. Rickmer storms through the gates, and as covered last week, Rickmer was pushed back for a while, but ultimately takes the city. His nephew Gundabad finds Anthemius and beheads him. Ricimer then calls for Olybrius, and he is installed as the new emperor, officially this time, rather than just on a field outside Rome. <laughs> <laughs> so there we go, he's emperor. Oh, wonderful. How well do you think he's going to do now? Well, we're three from the end. Yeah, so... Not well at all. Well, let's fast forward a month, shall we? Because <laughs> a month later, the West was shocked by the news. Ricimer was dead. No, I didn't manage to get the batteries off him. Sorry, guys. <laughs> oh, he tried. Trust me, he tried. He held me down at one point. You need a little screwdriver. I didn't have one. And I'll quote Gibbon here. Italy was delivered by a painful disease from the tyrant Rickamer. That really seems really bad because he's sort of... He's, had, he's basically had four episodes now. Yeah, he has. Yeah. And his Long name was dropped down. even before that. I remember mm. saying his name for the first time, saying, you'll get to know Rickimer, and there you go. He was there for a while, wasn't he? Got to know him very well. Oh, yes. And we'll get to know him a bit later, later on in the episode, Ooh. when he returns from the dead. <laughs> or we just talk about him at the end. Oh, OK. One of those is going to happen. <laughs> Maybe he's a secret guest. <laughs> he's a special guest. <laughs> Maybe he is. Rickimer, I love you to meet you. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, well, as far as we can tell, Rickimer died of natural causes. That's surprising. <laughs> yeah, that is surprising. None of the sources mention foul play. One of the sources does mention him vomiting blood before his death, though. That so, could be natural. It could be natural. Well, not natu not, it's natural in a bad way, though. <laughs> yes. Not natural as in natural yoghurt kind yeah. of way. <laughs> Wouldn't find it in the, the health food section no. in the supermarket. So, yeah. Rickmer's gone. Oh. This leaves Olybrius in trouble. He's on his own. Who's going to pull his strings now? Well, exactly. He's hardly started the job. The man who put him on the throne is dead. I mean, he's just there slumped like a puppet would be with no puppet master. Yeah. He's just oh, a no. sock left on a table. Oh. That's all he is. Mm. So looking around for someone to take Rickmer's place, Olybrius decided upon Rickmer's nephew, Gundabad. Gundabad. Or at least that's how it's often put. For all we know, Gundabad decided for Olybrius. Olybrius okay. is such a puppet, Gundabad just walks up to him and says, my uncle's dead, I'm in charge now. Or, here's my CV. Just a blank piece of paper with a sword drawn on it. <laughs> or just a blank piece of paper being weighed down by an actual dagger. <clears throat> oh, no, or yeah. stabbed through it. <laughs> yes, that's what he did. <laughs> um. It's my CV. Oh, it's a bit breezy. Let me just thunk. There we go. And doing the comically. Yeah. 
Yeah, so Gundabad is now in charge of the armies. <laughs> of course, promoting Gundabad actually does have the advantage of keeping the Burgundians on side, and they're the only allies of Rome at the moment, so yeah, yeah. maybe this was Alibrius deciding for himself. We simply don't know. Also, Alibrius promotes a man named Glycerius to be the head of the bodyguard at this point. Like the old Praetorian guard or something. Yeah, and then Alibrius dies. I was just half of you writing bodyguard. Yeah. What? Yeah, according to the only source we have on his death, he died of dropsy. He swelled up and he died. <sighs> I don't think he even deserves one. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> there you go. That's Alibrius. Well, that's embarrassing. It's incredibly embarrassing, isn't it? It's a wow. good job there was that secret letter to talk about. You may have been wondering why we were talking about a secret letter for so long. <laughs> it's the only thing, too. Yeah. Should we rate him? 22. For tradition's sake. Okay. Fightius Maximus. As far as we can tell, he did no fighting. Okay. Zero. Zero. Next. Approvium He usurped. Can we give him anything for that? Well, we don't know if he did. It's slightly shrouded in mystery here. Right, well, we know he usurped. It's just whether it was his idea or whether he was a puppet of Rickhamer. I suppose you yeah, could you... argue maybe he was forced into it. Yeah, but what, what crazy things did you do as Emperor? Dunno. Zero. Zero. Successes Ultimus. <laughs> Zero. Zero. Imager Facious. Any idea what he might look like? Does anybody? Well, we've got a coin. Have we? Okay. <laughs> um... Oh, you see, I knew you'd fall into this trap. You've drawn someone facing sideways. We have oh. a face on coin. Oh my. Ugh. Yeah, it's not good. It's <laughs> tell why they did it sideways. Uh, okay. That's a massive bouffant hairdo. Yes, it is. I mean, that that's like 70s wow. afro proportions, kind of. That's, yeah, that's amazing. It's huge. And even like the thing he's wearing is just attached to his massive puffed up hair. Yeah, he's got massive hair. Big um, eyes. He's looking a bit. Oh, he's got a seahorse on his cheek. Is that a seahorse? Looks like one. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's got a seahorse on his cheek. I was looking at his other cheek. He looks like he's swollen. (laughs) (laughs) He does, actually. Yeah, which maybe this is... water retention. Yeah, maybe this is close to death. (laughs) Um... Oh, do we know how he died? Yeah, dropsy. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, he swelled up and died. (laughs) Yeah, this this is... Yeah, after you're done from life, then. Yeah, maybe it's not big hair, maybe it's just swelled up. Like his massive lips. That's got <laughs> again swollen. <laughs> uh, it's, it's not good, it's is quite it? Comical to have a rear side. No, no, I couldn't find oh. the back of this one, so we don't even know if he's got Ant Man on the back. Oh. Might have picked up a point there, but no, that's all we've got. Well, it's, it's sort of, it is sort of amusing. <laughs> How do you like it? I, I'm going to give him a point for looking swollen, considering how yeah, he died. I'll, I'll give a point for that. But as apart well. from that, it's a bad coin. So that's zero point five for Image Facius. Temple completed. How long's he last? Well, you mentioned a month before. So is it like about two months? Slightly longer than that. Three months. He suffers from lack of sources. He <laughs> ruled from April or May four seven two to October or November four seven two. He lasts seven months. Okay. It's not great. No, it's not. That adds up to... That gives him a score of 0.88. For Tempo Completo. So he has, if you can call it, a final score of 1.38. That's not good, is it? It's not great. 
No. But does he have it? What, Dropsy? Yes. Yes, he did. Do they have a certain je ne sais No, obviously no. 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 Okay. So there we go. Yeah. Libris. As, as mentioned at the start of the episode, we're in that hospital room. So that moment where he stopped breathing for a second, I went, <gasps> and it just carries on, but slightly fainter. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest, it's just cruel now. <laughs> Someone needs to put the West out of its misery. <laughs> the nurse is on to hold the pillow very tight. <laughs> I'm, I'm ready, Doctor. Whenever you say, just give the instruction. The doctor's saying, let, let me just finish off these last few notes, then we'll... Yeah. But before we go today, short episode, and obviously someone else died this episode. Rome's dignity. <laughs> yes. Let's have a quick look at Rickamer, shall we? Yeah. Not his life, because we've kind of covered that, but his his legacy... The way he's viewed by history. That's nice, yeah, let's yeah. do that. First of all, let's deal with the Barbarian General label. He's often referred to as the Barbarian General. Mm. In the same way that Stilicho and Aetius and Aspar are. Stilicho. <laughs> so, why is Rickham referred to as a Barbarian General? Well, he was the son of a Swavic or Swabic king and the grandson of a Gothic king. So he obviously has barbarian descent very recently. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I guess I think what you're going to say eventually is that but most of the Romans were at that point. Well, not most Romans, but certainly a lot of people in the army. Yeah. And a lot of people in charge of the army, definitely. I mean, it says something about the political makeup of the empire at this time that such a person rose to the top. I mean, this is seen Mm. as normal, him being in that position. But saying barbarian generals ruled the army perhaps gives people the wrong impression. So we have a very nationalistic view of the world now. We've all got countries drawn on nice, neat maps, and everyone belongs to a country. Yeah. Back then, they didn't have that. This concept of neat boundaries didn't really exist. You got natural borders that helped, like the Mm. Rhine and the Danube, but there are more spheres of influence. Yeah, yeah. Also, back then, ruling classes of tribes or countries or empires, whatever you want to call them, would have seen a lot in common with each other, especially with the spread of Christianity and Latin education. Yeah. So, highly educated barbarian royal families would have found a lot more in common with the senatorial class than your average Joe on the street in Rome would have yeah. found in common with the senatorial class. Yeah. I think money money's a great bonding thing. Yes, definitely. <laughs> Having a person of barbarian descent in charge of the army would not have been seen as a huge problem by most people. Now, that's not to say there wasn't some prejudice. I mean, last week we saw Anthemius call Rickmer a skin-wearing barbarian. So prejudice Hmm. obviously existed, but my point is Rickmer wouldn't have been seen as unusual at this time. No. He was born within the empire. He served the empire. He was culturally Roman. So this obsession with highlighting his barbarian roots seems a little bit odd to me. It seems like, I guess it's more of a modern thing. Yeah, definitely. In the same way that Trajan and Hadrian are quite often highlighted as coming from Spain. It's something to be noted, but never offered as an explanation of his character, in my yeah. opinion. Yes, make note of it, but don't try and claim that Rickmer did something because he was of barbarian descent. Mm. That's my argument. Though. Yeah, that's fair enough. Because it's more of, more of class boundaries, I guess. Because even though he's in the same class, he was still below lower class because of his ancestry back then, yeah. it wouldn't have been as stark as historians are making it out to be now. Quite possibly, although it's hard to know for certain. That's no, yes. we know for certain. That's, that's yes, it. we do. We don't that's know the for reason certain. why. Yeah. 
So, what is Rickmer's reputation like nowadays? I haven't heard of him. <laughs> well, it's not good. He's considered by many to be the puppet master who brought down the Empire. It's his fault. So, is this the point now the Empire's ended? No, we've still got a, three episodes. <laughs> Although, you could claim... We'll talk about that another time. That's a different <laughs> rabbit hole. Right. So, according to the theory that Rickmer was responsible for the fall of the West... His career goes something like this. He rose up through the ranks under Aetius. He was mentor to Majorian, and then used this connection to usurp Avitus, killing him as soon as possible. Hmm. That's one emperor dead because of him. <laughs> Once Majorian took the throne, Majorian was actually a puppet for Rickamer. Rickamer then kills Majorian when Majorian became too powerful. Two emperors he's now killed. Then Rickamer puts another puppet in charge, Severus, and kills him off when he becomes bored of him. That's three emperors he's now. It's like a kid, a spoiled kid with toys, isn't it? <laughs> yes. You're not having another emperor. Well, then Anthemius <laughs> is placed on the throne by Leo. Rickamer hated this, so fought him and killed him, killing his fourth emperor and putting a new puppet on the throne, Alibrius. Now, some of this seems likely. In fact, he definitely went to war with Anthemius and killed him, so mm. some of it definitely happened. But is the evil mastermind Rickham a theory likely? To explore this, we're going to play a game called What Would You Do Rickham Edition? What would you do Rickham Edition? Okay, you're Rickham. Yeah! Yeah! Okay. Yeah, like killing emperors. No, 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 no. You're neutral at the moment. Oh, oh yeah. okay. I'm you're neutral? Just... Yes. There what you go. Of emperors? Meh. Well, we'll find out. Right. Okay. We're going to start with the death of Petronius. Okay. Oh, so sad. Yeah. Perhaps. Perhaps. You're neutral. Yeah, I'm neutral. Right. The West has just been taken over by a 70-year-old puppet of the new Gothic king. Well, I don't like that because I'm Roman myself. This new man, Avitus, has already proved himself to be very mediocre. Oh, he's not great. He's really not. And he's, he's not bad, but he's not great. But he's also causing unrest in Rome. He's brought a bunch of Goths down and they're stripping the city and no one's very happy about this. That's true, and I hate Goths. <laughs> you don't hate Goths. I, I don't mind Goths at all. <laughs> what you said. You are Rickamer and you are a capable general yep. who has support from a large faction in the Senate. Your friend is Majorian. Mm. Most agree would be a far better emperor than this Avitus. He'd be mu he's my He's my bezzy. So, do you... Sit around and live under Avitus, knowing that his death is nearby and will cause more civil unrest and uncertainty. Mm. Or, do you depose Avitus, turn, turn him into a bishop, so give him a nice cushy job, and help Majorian take over? Maybe quietly getting rid of Avitus shortly afterwards. We've already done this, I know the answer. Yes, but which would you do? Which one seems the most likely? Well, the most likely is, well, because... If, if I just let him die of old age, then the Empire will get worse and worse yeah. and worse. So it's yeah. best to, you know, quietly sort it out so that the Empire gets a better leader in the okay. West. So I would depose Avitus. Yeah. Here's your bishop's hat. Yeah. Go on, off you go, go to Sermon. Okay. Then send him a letter. I've got got something for you. Come come this way. <laughs> no, no, don't don't go round that pit. That's it. Now that bridge is secure, honest. Yeah. yeah. Go on. Go on. Oh dear. That's been a tragic accident. <laughs> what a shame. <laughs> yeah. Okay, round one. You would have done what recommended. Well, that's what I did do. Yeah, okay then. Round two. You have been left in charge of Italy while Majorian is away fighting the enemies of Rome. Yeah! Woo! 
You are unsure about this. You've yeah. looked at a map and a finance report recently, oh and you realise that the West is holding on by a thread. You are supported by a growing faction of the Senate who want to see resources being spent on defending Italy rather than paying for all these ships that Majorian keeps asking for. That's true. I mean, it's, you know, we've got people living here, got my family and... Yeah, okay. Still, you support Majorian until a report comes through that he has lost the entire insanely expensive navy that he built and that you couldn't afford. Not only that, he's coming back and wants to build another one. Do you let him come back, anger the Defend the Italy faction, potential unrest there, and then let him strip Italy of anything it has, and then watch him go back with another navy, probably just to lose the second one as well? Mm-hmm. Or do you get rid of him slightly and just put someone else in charge who is a little bit less reckless with the money? Well, I've got a general that I like. He's quite yeah. good. Got uh, yeah. my good old, good old mate Severus back there. I think yeah. if you know if I swapped him out, I might be able to tell Severus what to do. Yeah, and it will stop you know the empire just getting destitute or more destitute. Yeah, you know. we're okay. screwed anyway. <laughs> so you're going for option two then? Yes. Yes, I'll kill my Bezzy. Right, okay. So, that's round two. You would have done what recommended. Yeah. Round three. Unfortunately, your puppet Severus dies. Yeah. After someone reminds you several times of who he was, you realise this isn't a good thing. And in the meantime, you have been busy doing everything you can to fight against those wishing to depose you and drag Rome back into unnecessary wars. I'm just trying to look after my empire. Yeah, exactly. Then the Emperor of the East sends a pompous fool who thinks that winning <sighs> a couple of battles makes him God's gift to General Inc. Is this what I've heard about? Is this Anthemius? This is Anthemius. Oh my goodness. This is an obvious ploy by Leo to control the West. Anthemius arrives with his stupid accent and offers you his daughter's hand in marriage. Oh, oh. oh ah. okay. Yeah. Do you? One. Except this is a way into the royal family, bring the East's puppet down from the inside. Or, two, refuse, face civil war, and get defeated, probably, because Anthemius has the backing of the stronger East at this time. Say this as Rickamer. Every time you give me a choice, you give me one really obviously good choice. Yeah. And then one choice I certainly wouldn't choose. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I I think I'll go with um, the old marriage. I could do with a wife. So there you go. It's been been a long 12 years. I've known a woman. (laughs) Fair enough. You're going to get married then. So congratulations, yeah. you're now married. Ooh. Round four, final round. Anthemius upsets the Pope. The Pope is not amused. <laughs> <laughs> the Senate don't like this new Eastern emperor with his new Eastern ways. Generally, people are not happy. Leo and Anthemius were supposed to get rid of the Vandals, but failed, leading you to believe that the East is actually a paper tiger. They're not as fierce as they claim to be. After agreeing a truce on behalf of a bishop, Anthemius then manages to lose against the Goths as well, who are threatening Italy itself by this point. He's not very good, is he? He's not. So do you. Leave him to it. You are too old for this poop by this point. Let Anthemius get on with it. Or option two, take him down. How dare the East claim to be so much better when they send us fools like this? Yeah, I agree. I mean, the East is just... Coming over here, taking our jobs, telling us what to do. Taking our emperor job. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's it's saying, oh, you should do this, you should do this, we're the best, you know, follow our example. Yeah. You're lost. And you dragged us down, you took away our our pride, our nationality. We will rise again. 
the West, without you, it's from Themius, death awaits. Okay. So, in all those options, you would have done exactly what Rickman did. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't make stupid decisions at all. It's not his no, fault that the, the West fell. No. Now, obviously, I'm not saying this is how it happened. My point being, you can very easily twist this story to make Rickmer seem like a very sensible person. Like, yeah. You could argue that his policy of defending Italy rather than trying to reclaim land was not the best one, but you could see his point. Sure, at what you've got. There's no point yeah. expanding if you cause rotten. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You so, don't gloss over rotten wood, do you? I don't gloss wood. <laughs> You know, like a, a windowsill is rotten in the rain. And it's, no, I don't you don't do, just repaint. I don't do that. Well, you, well, you wouldn't, I would read you? history books, Jeremy. That's okay. <laughs> That's all I do. <laughs> <laughs> so, this probably isn't how it happened. But equally, it probably wasn't Rickmer the evil schemer. It's probably a mixture of the two. It was just someone trying to politically fight his way through a difficult situation. But this is Totalis Rankium, and we don't like grey areas. No. So what are you going to go for? Are you going to go for Rickmer, the evil puppet master? Or are you going to go for the political fighter with perhaps flawed views on how the Empire should be protected? Oh, uh, political fighter. Yeah? yeah? Are you not seeing the evil schemer? Uh, I think he used scheming techniques. <laughs> yeah. But I saw him as somebody who just wanted to show up the Empire and he thought he was the best thing to do that. Yeah. And, and who are these idiots trying to tell me what to do? Well, are you doing a good he, job? He does... Well, if his yeah. Fightius Maximus is not bad at all. Better than anyone else at this time. Mm. He's never lost a battle, as far as I can tell. Okay, well, so there you go. Well, goodbye to Rickamer. Yeah. He certainly gets a seat in the Colosseum. Definitely. He can sit next to Stilicho and Aetius. Oh. oh, he'd love that. Maybe Aspel, but we've not really covered him yet. Yeah. But, yeah, he's one of the later generals who was far more interesting than the Emperor's. But I think gets a bit of a bad rap. Mm. I think so. Okay, so that's it for this week. Short episode, but uh, what do you expect with people like Alibrius in charge? Yeah, yeah. If he couldn't even have the decency to do anything before getting ill. <laughs> I dread to think he's next as well. If you liked this episode, <laughs> <laughs> maybe you'll be interested in who's next. <laughs> yeah. But three left. Three left. And three. It's exciting. Right. All that needs to be said then is a couple of thank yous. Thank you to everyone who's supporting our podcast. We do have some new senators, but I forgot to make a note of them. So thank you for... <laughs> you've joined our Senate recently. We'll read your names out next week yeah. instead. Thank you. We do, however, have a couple of reviews. Ooh. So this one is... It says, my favourite podcast. Five stars. Excellent. It doesn't talk about another podcast afterwards, does it? No, I don't think so. Ah, yes. Yeah. Good title. Then. I like From it. Scott Bolohan. Bolohan, but Alohan, Bolohan, Scott. I pronounce it in every conceivable way. Bolohan. 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 Ah, Bolohan. Bolohan. Yeah. Bolohan. Let us know. (laughs) And he says, I was looking for a podcast to listen to before a trip to Rome, and after trying out some of the drier ones, I came across to Talus Rankium. I have loved very few things as much as this podcast. In fact. Check this out, Rob. I listened to 80 episodes in two months. That's scary. (laughs) Yeah, which I just realised is terrifying. (laughs) But completely worth it. I was going through the Aurelian Walls while listening to the Aurelian episode and got chills. I'd been to Rome numerous times before, but looking at Trajan's form and realising it used to be a hill put in complete new perspective. 
I even took like 20 pictures of the remains of the base of these giant Nero statue outside the Colosseum, which I wouldn't have known about without them. Rob and Jamie are hilarious. I actually laugh out loud listening to them just about every episode. They have also truly deepened my knowledge for Roman history more than I could have ever imagined and made my trip the best one yet. I can't thank them enough for the amount of joy they've brought me. I can't wait to see how it ends. No spoilers. <laughs> the West Falls. Oh, sorry. Everyone ends in tears. That's how yeah. it ends. Oh, thank you very much, Scott. That is that a really nice, nice review. Glad, I'm glad you enjoyed your trip to Rome as well. I hope you saw the pyramid <laughs> yeah. and imagined soldiers clambering over it. <laughs> in my mind now, that pyramid is just a really shallow pyramid that you can just wander up. It's like Roman soldiers perched on the edge having picnics and yeah. stuff. <laughs> okay, and then also we have a review by Arthur. Arthur, good name. Entitled. <laughs> Sorry, I, I have read the review before, but I didn't notice the title. History the way it should be, kind of made up. <laughs> <laughs> made up, God. And it says, As I float in my Texas-shaped swimming pool in American flag trunks, slamming another Bud Light and shooting guns in the air to celebrate freedom, I can't help but wonder if there's a better history podcast than Totalis Rankium. I love that. Speaking as a, an Englishman who is currently looking out the window at the gardener <laughs> on our country estate. It's, yes, it's, it's very different situations. Just, it's, it's very different over yes. there in America. Actually, I might ring some more tea in a second from the maid. Yes, but... well, if you call for Jeeves. And also, we're meeting the Queen later, don't we? Oh, of course, so yes. We best wrap Tuna this up. sandwiches. <laughs> Rob and Jamie have fun with history that is by no means boring nor complete through sources, and they enhance it. They engage the subject, they make it their own, songs are written, conjectures made, and all in all, ancient Rome becomes more accessible and engaging through their work. You should listen to this for no other reason than to enjoy the constant sniggering at the name Poopy Anus. <laughs> the, the first rate after show skits, and of course, the spot on American impressions. How damn! They are uncanny. I love that. Yeah, I've been to America. Yeah, you know. Yeah. I, I <laughs> Sorry look... for the like, 100 million people who just offended. <laughs> I look very forward to the second season of American Presidents. I will send videos of my bald eagles coring the theme song in harmony once they stop getting scared by the constant fireworks being set off by the back of my pickup truck. <laughs> <laughs> So <laughs> it's got an image of like um, featherless bald eagles <laughs> with a slight, slight twitch in their eye. <sighs> Thank you, Arthur, for confirming what we always suspected living in America must be like. <laughs> yes. yes. Should we just send them both something? Yeah. We'll, 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 we'll send you both a coin. Yeah. It's, it's very nice. So, Arthur and Scott, please send us um, your addresses if you want to, and we'll send you a coin if you do. Yes. Okay, right, that's all we need to say for this week then. And I guess all that needs to be said now is... What tapas, sir? Got an image of his daughter still in Constantinople, busily serving up all the tapas, just wondering when Daddy's coming home. Aww. She's keeping that business afloat. Oh, she is. She is. Especially now he's dead. Yeah. Goodbye. Goodbye. General Rickmore, sir. Yes. I have good news. Report. 
Our ladders are up against the walls and our infantry is starting to climb over the top. The men with the siege weapons are halfway up the pyramid, so that shouldn't take long. Our archers are shooting off the final few guards from the turrets. And it should be over by noon. Yes, yes. I mean, that's all very good, but we've still got a problem. Sir, what, what is it? Well, yes, we will win this battle. Oh, yes. But what we need is a figurehead. That's true. We need someone in, someone I can control. Where, where on earth are we possibly going to find someone with, with the right breeding, the respect of the Senate, preferably a link to the Theodosian family themselves? Mm. Maybe someone with strong links to the Vandals in Africa to sort of stop them invading. How on earth could we possibly find someone with all of these attributes? And some of this, a good old Western boy, hopefully. But but equally, with some ties to the East, that would be useful, so he knows about the political situation over there. I just, it's it's an impossible task. How on earth can I find the perfect puppet? Well, I tell you what, sir. Why don't we call out for some food and we can mull it over? Yes. Send out for some tapas. <laughs> <laughs>